We were prepared for more teenage shenanigans this time around with the Legion of Superheroes. But what we didn't count on was the legacies of other characters, from the Legions or otherwise, coming back and causing changes for the status quo. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. We've officially caught up on Legion of Superheroes work to the 1960s, Ooh. 1960s, well, I mean, like 1964, which is where we are starting this coverage for the rest of everybody. So, like, we powered through that volume of Legion, the Silver Age, uh, you know, volume that they, that DC puts out. Is this the uh, pretty fourth handily. episode in a row we've done of them? Four in a row. One, you know, one more and we get a free smoothie. Um, <laughs> but... You know, we're going to take a break for a while and come back to them later. Because there's other characters that exist in DC Comics, not just the Legion of Superheroes. Um, but you wouldn't know it if you just read Legion. There's nobody else except Superboy shows up. So, uh, Joanne, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter one. Mainly just because, or at least in terms of uh, narrative coverage. Because there's not a lot that happens in these. But we're going to talk about what little does happen. Because there's some interesting things that kind of do occur. In terms of reveals and horrifying circumstances in the last <laughs> story. Um, so we're going to start with Adventure Comics number 305, February 1963. Um, mon is freed from the Phantom Zone, which is fun and has his antidote. So he's no longer um, dying from lead poisoning. But this all comes about as a mysterious member uh, tries to join the, lead, the Legion uh, named uh, Marvel Lad. And he's got all these also fantastic lemon. powers. <laughs> also Lemon. His name is Lemon. Um, God. They were so happy with themselves that they did that. It was They were they thought they were so clever. And, um, and I got thrown off because I'm, of course, thinking, oh, like Lemon, like, oh, he's not actually like a working legionnaire. I, I'm thinking like 1950s. You get that term like of a, a lemon mm-hmm. of a car. And uh, I was too smart for my yeah. own good. You were You were better than the writers, which isn't really that hard <laughs> with these. Um, yeah, so Marvel lad named Lemon, uh, joins the Legion of Superheroes, and at the end of their adventure, he reveals, uh, after pulling off his rubber mask, that it's actually Mon-El and Brainiac 5 get the antidote working, and he's out of the Phantom Zone. And that was, like, much ado about nothing, because they could have just been like, oh, Mon-El's here, great, let's go on adventures, and it would have been cool to kind of just see Mon-El doing stuff, I don't know why he had to trick everybody, because that was unnecessary, um, but Adventure Comics number 306, March 1963. This one, wow. Um, Polar Boy, Night Girl, Stone Boy, Fire Lad, and Chlorophyll Kid. That last one is not an awful Western character. Um, that is a kid who can control the growth of plants. Polar Boy obviously can do ice cold related powers. Night Girl is super powerful only at night the sun's rays are out she loses all of her powers stone boy can turn himself into stone kind of like kirby and smash brothers and uh fire lad shoots fire what a surprise um none of them make it into the legion of superheroes and they all form their own like backup substitute legion of superheroes to do things when the legion is like too busy and they can never get there in time because the legion is so like well trained and successful so they get kind of sad 
and they end up actually saving the world from a threat the Legion isn't aware of um, when they are off planet doing something else. And they don't tell anybody because they're not in it for the fame. They just wanted to help people. And now this team of five substitute Legionnaires is somewhere in the world waiting in the wings to take care of things and the Legion is off planet doing other stuff. So I like to imagine these other stories when the Legion goes off into space to do things. Um, the substitute Legion of superheroes is at, on Earth fixing things and making sure everyone's okay. Just because that they deserve it. Because they all just wanted to be heroes and they don't like want to be rich or famous. They just want to be superheroes. And I'm like, good for you, kids. <laughs> like, that's the right reason. Kids. Yeah, you're all altruistic and you're all trying to help people. That is great. You all deserve nice things. Go substitute Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, um, I, I know at some point, at least, we'll see more of them. Although, apparent, apparently they get their... I get, like, extreme, J, like, 80s JLI uh, vibes from ooh. what I've read about when they get brought back at some point in the future. But hopefully we get more of them in the near future, too. Awesome. Uh, Adventure Comics, number 307, April 1963 mystery lad who no one knows what his power is except for saturn girl who is taken into another room and shown it and she vouches for him uh joins the legion of superheroes and the legion is battling this like kind of invading army that keeps doing things on different planets and trying to like take some sort of resources and they're just being dicks to everybody and it turns out that mystery lad knows how to fight them and uh tries to sacrifice himself um, to save the Legion and to stop these guys from doing their thing. And the the bad guys think that they've killed Mystery Lad when they blow up their ship. Uh, actually, no, Mystery Lad um, starts to disintegrate their ship and they all have to bail and they think that he dies from lack of oxygen. But invisible, uh, the Invisible Kid is there and he saves him by putting him in a spacesuit. And Mystery Lad joins the Legion and we find out that his power is actually that he's able to restructure the molecular uh, makeup of certain items to, like, for example, in the uh story he stops a, a giant stone statue from falling by turning it into aluminum so he can just kind of like lift it and they, they keep misguessing what his power is based off of the feats of like strength or speed that he ends up doing and really all he's doing is changing the molecules to something else in the makeup of the object which i find very interesting and kind of like there's a couple characters like that that we keep seeing and i'm gonna do something about that because i need to talk about how many element-based characters there are in the in the 1960s for dc comics and that's weird and i need to i need to get the thoughts out of my head um because well if you think about it firestorm metamorpho multiple man mm -hmm. and element lad yeah those are all characters who have element-based abilities and and like firestorm is like the ultimate version of them because he's a nuclear uh, fusion reactor. I guess that's true. I guess we do have a, a bit of a preponderance of those kinds of characters. Yeah, and I just want to—I want to know why we have so many element material-based characters who can control, create, or turn into them, and eventually we just get one. <laughs> um, Adventure Comics number three hundred eight, May nineteen sixty-three. Lightning Lad's alive. Just kidding. It's his sister. Um, the Legion believes that Lightning Lad has come back from the dead because of the giant uh, Tesla coils over his glass coffin have recharged his body and saved him. But really, 
it's his sister who has uh, been dressing up as him and trying to pretend that Lightning Lad was alive. And they're like, it's cool. You don't have to do that. We really appreciate that. Like you wanted to honor your brother. We'll call you Lightning Lass. And she's like, thanks. And Lightning Lass has joined the Legion of Superheroes. So we now have our Lightning character back, except in the form of uh, a legacy character, pretty much. And that's kind of cute. But also, like, that was weird. I guess we're doing this. Sure. Um, Lightning Lad is still dead, though. We are we are sans one Legionnaire. And it's worth noting the consistency with which this is not a dead and buried plot point, if you'll pardon the pun. Uh, this is something mm. ev- almost every issue ends with or starts with a reminder of either A, we're sad, or B, man, like, it sure would be great if we could bring him back like we successfully brought you back, uh, Element Lad. Uh, we we were able to keep you from dying, even though it seemed like you should have. Sure would be great if we could somehow manage that for our dead compatriot. This is this is an active thing, which is fascinatingly different. Yeah, even when Monel is finally done, you know, with his yep. like victory lap in the Phantom Zone, <laughs> where he like goes back to the Phantom Zone and says like "suck it, losers," and then they like he gets himself out of the Phantom Zone. Um, like literally like after he gets his antidote he says hey can i go back to the phantom zone for like 10 minutes and they're like yeah sure what do you want to do and he genuinely goes back and just like rubs it in the faces of all the criminals in the phantom zone and then leaves and i was like that is absolutely bad shit wild um but <laughs> yeah. uh even after he does that he goes to lightning lad's grave and mourns and it's like never a moment's rest for the dead companion like, we can't just leave him be. Um, and yeah, to, to your point, Matt, at once an issue or once a story, someone references that, hey, did you forget that Lightning Lad was dead? Did you know that um, Lightning Lad died a couple of missions ago? Hey, Lightning Lad, what's it like having a dead brother? Like, it's so fucking weird. And like, not in a way that like, obviously they're they're creating a continuity for this team, but in a such heavy-handed, unnecessary fashion that it's like, yeah, man, unless this, like, you don't bring it up to someone who's normally grieving every time you see them, do you? You bring it up only when it's relevant. And it just isn't relevant for, like, at least two like two or three of these stories. It's just apropos of nothing, we're talking about a dead character. And it's like, let him, let him be dead, man. We can bring it back. Like, maybe one time we can see Lightning Lass at the tomb of her brother at the start of an issue. And, like, she gets a summons to just remind us he's dead but like we don't need to talk about it every time because these issues are coming out month to month unlike the previous uh episodes of coverage we've done they were either two months in between sometimes a couple months so it's like people are probably going to remember that now you guys are establishing a fairly serialized continuity issue to issue i don't think anyone's going to forget the fact that lightning lad one of the core members of this group since you wrote them is dead i'm a little on the fence because on the one hand, it it's a signal of intent to me. And I, I mm-hmm. think there is value in that because it is... I don't have any faith in this writing team to do things intentionally and have the desired effect. Uh, yeah. So it would be very easy for me to see... Like, if they didn't have... Like, if they weren't constantly reminding us, hey... Lightning Lad's dead for now. I would look at Lightning Lass and be like, okay, so is she, am I supposed to take her as the new, like, 
character as she is and she is just going to stick around and be like replacing him is it is it going to be what, what is the i forget the name of the the comedy about drinking uh with that had the state-based learning uh gag i it came out in like cheers sorry <laughs> cheers no no, no. It, was a, it was a movie in like 2004 or something but oh. the bit where the the one character like gets killed by a villain and then his twin brother takes his place and there's the whole speech. Oh, of, beer fest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just the, and I want, I want you to treat me just like I was him. And it's, is it, am I supposed to be doing this with it or no? Okay. Yeah. You are telling me to, that you actually are going to deliver on this thing. You are making these choices intentionally. It is blatant it's like what if every 30 minutes of romeo and juliet was punctuated by that opening speech of how this isn't going to end well but i mean at least it at least it gives me uh, i don't have the faith to trust them on shit <laughs> i think you reminded me of the best gag from beer fest <laughs> that is the best joke it really is <laughs> is a guy playing his character's twin brother and saying, don't worry about it. I know my character died, but treat me just like him if it makes you guys feel any better. And they do. <laughs> like, and he hooks up with his you, brother's wife. It's, it's all everything. I think, it's everything. <laughs> I think what ended up happening was they probably wrote a joke about the character dying. And they're like, but now they're like short a guy on their team. Yep. What if we just pretend he has a twin brother? <laughs> it was it was good. It, oh, like God. that movie was dumb, but I loved that. <laughs> oh, that movie's insane! But uh, holy cow, that is the best joke from that movie. Oh man, two thousand four beer beer fest. What a what a world! What I, a weird comedy world that the the early two thousands were. We probably should revisit it, it and see if it holds up. That would probably be a bad oh, idea. I doubt. I doubt it does. I will 1,000% bet you money that that movie does not hold <laughs> Um At least probably it doesn't pass a number of tests. Um, all right. Adventure Comics number 309, June 1963. Um, Jungle King, a super youth who has the ability to hypnotize and manipulate animals to like get them to do his bidding. Kind of like a shitty Aquaman. Like a manipulative Aquaman. Um, gets rejected from the Legion because when he's not paying attention to the animals that he's controlling, they actually just go back to being wild. And in Vengeance, he calls himself Monster Master. Goes to a different planet. Um, controls a number of different aliens. Uh, alien creatures. And then uses them to commit crimes to like one-up the Legion of Superheroes. And they have to end up fighting him. And he dies? at the end of the story i had flagged that as well oh i should look um, it up so at it like i'm gonna say at the third act break monster master scorns a creature made of gas because he's like you're not useful to me like you can't touch anything or grab anything like go away and he like he spurns this creature and goes about doing stuff there's a whole caper with chameleon boy pretending to be one of the creatures so you can kind of like snoop on him um and during like the end game fight of this story, the like the gas creature comes back <laughs> and touches Monster Master and turns him into gas and like either turns him into a being of pure gas or just straight up kills him. 
and the legion's like ah yes monster master finally not like paying attention to the monsters that he controls was killed by them kind of in the way that we told him it would happen at the beginning of you know when we rejected him from the legion and i'm like that's kind of not what happened but also like guys you didn't do anything to stop that like uh, wow all right that kid's dead sure I didn't count that as a body count for the Legion because, like, I don't know, how are they supposed to know that that creature touching him would turn him into gas? But also at the same time, like, the Legion didn't kill him. That wasn't even an indirect killing. That was a that was a death by the at the hands of Monster Master. Um, wow, it's just it was a bizarre. I remember reading that, going like, "Wait, am I reading that correctly?" <laughs> he dies. <laughs> so, yep, DC Wikia says that yes, it is a death. Uh, he Jeez. shows up as a robot in a different a later story but the end in reprints and that's the extent of it truly the the peak of writing um adventure comics number 310 in july 1963 this is the last one and kind of the most horrifying um a masked person begins killing off members of the legion of superheroes as they um as as superboy is back in time kind of like to help him out and hang out with them the members get picked off like one by one and then in like groups as the legions like we have to protect ourselves and fortify ourselves on a planet they make this giant fortress and even then in a sort of like john carpenter's the thing-esque moment um members of the team are killed off screen and the other members of the team like run in to find their corpses and they're like jesus and this guy keeps um telling them like yeah i'm gonna get you and the big the big clue for who this character is is that he is short in stature. That is about it. Um, and Superboy, being the last one left alive, figures out or believes that this character is Mr. Mixius Pitlick. Turns out it is the descendant of Mixius Pitlick. So it's Mixius Pitlick 5, like Brainiac 5, or the 5th. Or what I like Brainiac 5 works for Brainiac because later he becomes like a computer person. So it's like, oh yes, I am Brainiac 5.0 versus like Mixius Bitlick 5 sounds lazy. It's like he's Mixius Bitlick the fifth. Um, and he's like straight up like, no, I'm not going to torment you like my great, great, great grandfather did. I'm straight up here to kill you. And Superboy's like, Jesus, that's tense. Um, but eventually tricks him like he usually tricks Mixius Pitlick into saying his name backwards and all of the things that he did are reverted, including killing every single member of the Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> and I was reading the story going like, like when they killed like two characters, I was like, Jesus, are they like culling the roster so they can get new ones? And then they killed like Cosmic Boy and Saturn Girl. And I was like, oh no, like this is either a dream or something, something's up. And when they were like, nope, not a dream, I was like, it's got to be, it's got to be Mixie Spitlick then. Like, it has to be something okay. weird you, or crazy to in. do this. You got on before I did. Um, I, I think either I caught on or I might have, as I was flipping through one time to find a page, saw Mixie Spitlick. And I was like, oh yeah, he's got to be in one of these stories at some point. And I'm like, I am in the last story. If this is not him, I don't know what the <laughs> hell is going on. Um, but that is the end of our coverage for uh, narrative. Wow. What? What the hell? Um, so two things to note, the last two stories, the Monster Master and the Mixius Pitlick stories were full, um, if I think they were like, no, they were 12 page stories. Uh, the key thing, I, I think they might've been longer, but the key thing is they were the primary stories for those issues they, rather they than were, the Superboy yeah, stories. 
they were the longest stories as well um, of any Legion stories we've ever covered. Oh, they probably got so two they chapters. Had, That's probably what it is. Yeah, they got two chapters. So that's impressive and a good statement to show like hey they are starting to bank on this series especially when we've seen them go from like guest appearances and guest starring roles in other titles to having short um six page stories to now most of the book in in uh, adventure comics is like wow okay you are actually getting either a good response from these or you are starting to invest in these characters to try and make them the next big thing. I think that's interesting from an editorial perspective, seeing the evolution of these characters um, and knowing that there is a large fan base for the Legion of Superheroes. Um, I'm excited to see when this becomes like they get their own stories and they get their own book, which I imagine they will uh, soon-ish. I... I want to say they just take over Adventure Comics. I'm not sure about that. Kind of like Doom Patrol did with My Greatest Adventure. Something that that is my theory. Okay. But I'm not even sure there's a rename. I I might be wrong on that. It just becomes Adventure. Okay. Um, Mon-El is no longer in the Phantom Zone. Hooray for Mon-El. That's good. Um, They have a... Oh, yeah. No, he's not a Kryptonian. He's a Daxamite. Um. Again, weird that he keeps his name Monel. Weird that he's <laughs> keeping his huh. his like fake name that Clark gave him when he thought that he was Kryptonian. That that seems weird to me. Even after he remembered like being a Daxamite and like not being from Krypton, he's keeping the Kryptonian name. I don't know. That just strikes me as strange. Like we don't know what his real name is. Um. But they have effectively a Kryptonian on their team. And I think at this point, they should just be sending Monel out to do everything. Because <laughs> he can basically undo any catastrophe or crisis that they have going on. Um, we have Element Lad now, who's able to reconstruct the elements or the molecules in a certain object and change it to a different element, which is great. And uh, Lightning Lass. So those are the three big roster updates. Lightning Lad, still dead. Nothing happened in there. Uh, I still think my favorite is Matter Eater Lad. The guy just eats. I think that's that's the best superpower. Um, he can eat anything, and I want that power. I want Matter Eater Lad's ability to eat anything and not have an upset stomach and still look like a child and not just take on all the mass from anything that he eats. Because I'm sure, I don't know what, like, steel's probably calorically dense. <laughs> I imagine. We'll never know. Uh, I'm sure someone somewhere, some scientist, well, actually me, at me, scientist, is steel calorically dense? I want to know, like, the mass of Matter Eater Lad. Like, is he also super massive because he's eating a bunch of different materials? How is his body processing it? I want to know the intricacies of the gastrointestinal tract of Matter Eater Lad. DC (laughs) Comics, where is my Black Label series about Matter Eater Lad and Bouncing Boy? Um... (laughs) You know what? You I'd know what? That. I'd read that buddy cop. I have spoken, DC. Deliver <laughs> it to me on my desk by Thursday. Anyway, now that I've had a power trip, um, <laughs> <laughs> do, did you find anything particularly um, worth talking about with these? 
I got some things. Uh, this is a, a little bit of a response to the bit about Mono. Uh, look, there's a series that recently ended that <laughs> I took issue with how major character changes happened midstream. Uh, starts with, or rhymes with, uh, look of Hoba set. <laughs> and <laughs> the fact that major character moments for the broader impact of the ongoing story and, and of the universe that they're building uh, across a franchise are happening kind of out of nowhere, and especially at the beginning of episodes or at points in episodes where they're not deeply impactful and don't really mean much. So even though it it is a weird story for Monel to have the oh I'm pretending to be this other person and fit a mask off. It was me all along. Don't worry, everything. And and this guy who you weren't sure if you could trust. Well, on the one hand, it's reasonable that you didn't trust him. On the other hand, he's me. And that's the end of the story. After and then there's the little denouement of him going in and monologuing at the criminals. But at least it had the decency in that story to to have it be the payoff. They could all. I mean, you could also do something like the start of the of the story is oh he get it. He comes back, and then that impacts uh, and creates a new situation. Either of those would work, but I am I want to give it at least the credit for this. The timing of this fit a logical narrative structure for me. Hmm. Um, other bits worth noting. Uh, I didn't realize this as I was reading it, but I just checked, and DC Wikia at least says that uh, none of these stories are Jerry Siegel anymore. Uh, 306 shifts into Eddie Hamilton is the guy's name, I think. Uh, okay. Because Siegel, Siegel left DC at this point, right? Nope. Still another uh, two years. Got it. Actually, like two and a half even. What is interesting, though, and I, I had to double check this one because it threw me off. Do you remember, what was his name? Antenna Boy or whatever? Uh, in the Le- Legion Yeah, League? one of the... Yeah, one of the failed uh, people who tries to get in. Did you read the little things that he was picking up from different times? Yeah, some of them were like uncomfortable and also historical moments. Uh, I'm tr- I don't remember the other ones. Let me let me see if I can bring up the. Did I take a screenshot of it? Because one of them in particular fascinated me because of well. Uh, hey, one of them mentions Kennedy being reelected. This was six months before he was shot. Hmm. And it it's interesting to me for a couple different reasons because I mean, on the one hand, first off, you have sure it's it's the bad that <laughs> it is the oh, we made an assumption of oh, this wasn't how this would end, and oh God, he's dead. But it's also interesting that they would even put that in there, that he would, the assumption that he would get reelected. I, maybe it's yeah. because of things like this and the a realization that, hey, presidents are mortal. Uh, but for whatever reason, I don't think that's something we would see in modern comics. I, I think there would only be the assumption, maybe, it, maybe it's even the polarization of, uh, of the American uh, public at this point, but 
you wouldn't make the assumption of who is in the who is the president beyond their term range you would either make someone up afterwards or if you were like three or four years out uh but yeah I, yeah, I think the only time we would ever see that would be if the character who is president is a creation of the company, yep. i.e. Lex Luthor has yeah. been president multiple times. And somebody hearing in from the future, President Luthor reelected, would mm-hmm. be like, yeah, okay, I could see that. But yeah, they have stopped time and placing themselves um, pretty substantially in the last like 10, 15 years with comics. I wonder why. Um <laughs> Yeah, it adds a buffer of uh, suspension of disbelief and removing a lot of the context that we bring in of, oh, this is right. either this person or a stand in for them. I am bringing in all of the baggage that I have on that. Uh, and right. <laughs> and then you get people reading stories in entirely different ways because you interpret them differently. <laughs> sure. like But I do remember in the uh, Ultimates the Avengers Ultimate series, uh, Bush is in there. Yeah, yes, yeah. Because uh, I remember in Ultimate X-Men, which I think was the mm-hmm. first Ultimate series, period, uh, It mm. there is George Bush, I think, like, naked and cowering on the lawn, on the White House lawn, as uh, Magneto just delivers his uh, monologue. Yes, and I distinctly remember uh, George Bush asking Captain America if the 21st century was cool or uncool. Um, <laughs> and that is forever burned into my brain. Uh, let's see, other pieces. It, I don't have a strong position on this beyond that it feels shoehorned in, but tryouts are just in so many stories where they don't really need to be. And sometimes... Sometimes it makes sense. It leads to the like a tryout for the Legion leads into the the story that actually happens. For instance, with the Legion of Substitute Heroes and the uh, Jungle King story, those okay, it makes sense. But there are other points where it's just two or three pages, maybe even less. But pages get taken up by characters trying out for for nothing just because a tryout seems to happen there's a, i guess even like monel like i get why you have monel's arrival be timed alongside a tryout but the it feels very strange to be having tryouts this frequent fundamentally yeah, that, like yeah. they should do them yeah they should do them like once a year yeah and i think that's try, what it was yeah. pitched as i think it was pitched as that initially yeah like one issue should have tryouts one issue a year should have the tryout. They'd be like, ah, it's the tryout issue. Who's going to join this year kind of a thing. Um, like, the, the idea of having tryouts doesn't bother me, I guess, as much. Because I'm like, ah, they're a team team. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just like basketball tryouts. You know, like, because I played basketball a lot when I was a kid. Um, so, like, that, I guess, could be um, familiar to children reading this comic. Because they're all probably playing sports. And they all got tryouts. So, I guess the convention of that is familiar to me at least um but yeah to your point they should not be this frequent it doesn't make any sense um but also i guess it's to prevent tons of kids from trying out the same time at one time but then again it's fiction so like maybe only three kids make it that far i don't know 
Um, whatever. But yeah, like having tryouts every other issue or or this frequently it seems to be a misuse of the narrative device that could be used to put a time and place in the series. Yeah, you know, yeah. to to give a um, a focal point for the for the canon to kind of focus around. It's like, and every year we have a tryout issue, just like you know, every year we have a beach, every season we got a beach episode, kind of a thing. You know, like got to have that. And the sheer number of scammers in these tryouts. Yeah, it's impressive. That, yeah. Well, even when they're not doing anything with it, which it's just, oh, you happen to the story with Mono. Like, there's a good, what, page and a half of, oh, I, I disintegrate things. And it's, no, you're a scammer. You got a wire. Clip. Done. That's, that didn't do anything for the story. Yeah, it's just... It's also weird to me that, like, in in canon universally, there are people who try to scam their way on the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. Like, frequently enough that they all get caught and none of them learn from the concept that scamming tr- does not work to get you on the team. Yeah. It, like, that's super weird to me. I want to say that it reduced... Well, it's, it's weird. It's a mixed bag. It makes me on the one hand it makes me think that people really want to be part of the legion that is the clearest manifestation of oh the the coolness of the legion but on the other hand it's also oh you're you don't think enough of the legion that they notice and uh, and figure you out after you start uh i don't know like it it feels so out of place for what the stories are actually trying to be, that it's all just a little weird. It's a net zero gain for placing the Legion at a point of, like, on a pedestal. Yeah. Because, one, it says that a bunch of people want to be on at the Legion, like you said, but, two, it also it also says that these people think that they're all idiots, that they'll get tricked. And- <laughs> so it's like, not only are they famous, but they're dumb. Like, <laughs> I'm going to say... I'm going to say something stupid. That's another factor that where perhaps the heavy handed like beat you over to the head with uh, what's supposed to what they're trying to communicate. That could benefit this too. Like if they wanted to say this is something that we're doing with tryouts, like if there was something they were waiting for in tryouts or some maybe somebody who's like oh i'm not gonna apply just yet but wouldn't it be great and or something to give it a reason because right now that i don't it doesn't do anything for me (laughs) or have someone complain about having to do it man i really hate being like you know just having it be acknowledged other than just we're doing trials today like you know man i wish i wasn't part of trials today i wish i could go on a mission well remember you know uh cosmic boy Everyone has to do tryout, you know, has to do tryout duty to make sure that the Legion is has the best of the best. And it's like, I know, you know, kind of like you could do something like that where it just kind of reinforces like this is important or it's Legion duties as opposed to just like, wow, there's a bunch of people who want to try out today. Let's all go outside and watch a bunch of weird scam artists try to get into the Legion. Like, who can figure out that this person's a fraud first? Is it you, Triplicate Girl? Or you, Shrinking Violet? Or you, you know, Invisible Kid? Or whatever? It's just like, all right. You're right. It is it is one of the stranger but also like seemingly sensical aspects of of the franchise. Yeah. It's like this should make sense, but also why is this happening? 
One thing that I want to call out that's cool, uh, moderately cool. Uh, it, it is mm. moderately successful with me. And I think this sort of speaks to the everything as a whole. It it checks some nice boxes. This, there are some settings in these issues, especially the last four, that it's just like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, specifically, I have down, there's... At one point, they're in the desert. There are ominous statues in a shack in the distance. There's the inside of a giant faceted crystal. There's Sky City, which is a city standing on, like, atop a giant pole. And there's just cool shot of just looking up at that. And then the sheer size of the citadel that they build when they're dealing with Mixus Bidalic 5. All of that, none of it's amazing. But it's at least, oh, oh, I noticed this. It's visually different and breaks up the monotony of the same yes. types of stories and pages. It's like, I, I completely understand what you mean. It's like, this isn't as good as a Carmine Infantino panel, but at least it's different than what you've been drawing. And I appreciate yeah. that. The Honestly, <laughs> there's a comparison that I've been, been drawing recently. So I've been, re, I've been watching Gundam, uh, slowly pushing my way through. Uh, uh, I had gotten through original Gundam and Zeta Gundam. And then got into Double Zeta Gundam. And the thing about Double Zeta is it is a complete tonal shift to not gimmicky, but uh, wacky hijinks, uh, comedy hour, uh, comedy half hour. And on the one hand, it's deeply frustrating because it's tonally completely different than every other Gundam for at least the first half of this. On the other hand, it is the most consistent... And it just checks the boxes of these. Each episode makes sense. Everything is sort of buttoned down in terms of we see very clearly how things develop. It follows genre logic. That's these stories. You'll hear me. You hear me talk about that a lot with these store with uh, Silver Age comics in general across this entire podcast. Of well, this is something that executed well and wasn't special but did it reasonably okay. And these stories continue to be that. Maybe they even go a little bit further because they're, they have these moments of cool settings, but that is where these are. The thing that I think is most interesting to me, though, uh, and this is my sort of closing little reflection, is the Legion of Substitute Heroes. There's a specific choice that they make. A, I like the story just in general, but B, they make the, the writers make the conscious choice not to have the legion get them get folded into the broader legion they aren't that it isn't now we're an auxiliary team to get called and i wind up really i wound up really liking that and i had to do some thinking to figure out why and i think that it's because it means that they are the protagonists and main characters of the story that happened and any future stories because when I think about them being, oh, if they were an auxiliary group, they might get, they would almost certainly get more showtime. On the other hand, they'd be the Superman emergency squad. They just wouldn't matter. They would be the C team that just, oh, we need more bodies to fill out this page. Uh, oh, this is the help that they can call in. Cool. But they wouldn't be main characters again. And I love that this was the backup team that got to be main characters and would, in theory, at least continue to get that chance in the future. Yeah. No, I, def I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Yeah. I, I like that story. It, and, ah, uh, that's... 
I like the power sets. We didn't touch on these at all, but all the power sets are either they have some cool like weaknesses or it's just, oh, this is only useful every once in a while. But there's there's a lady who's super super strong, but only in darkness. Only when there isn't any light, any sunlight going on. It's just, yeah, okay, okay, I like this. Yeah, conditional isn't a bad superpower. It just yeah. means that there has to be some creativity with how it's used. And the screen time to devote to it. Because yeah. I think about how much better like Green Lantern stories are. When it's Green Lantern being able to, okay, yes, there's yellow stuff. Let me overcome that. As compared to, like, JLA, eh, okay, it's just one additional beat of there is something yellow, overcome it, done. Yeah, versus, all right, everyone, if we all concentrate our power at a certain point, we can open up a hole. That means one of us can get through and do X. Or, you know, ah, how do I how do I get an entire rocket made out of yellow into the the bay before it explodes it's like that level of the problem being the limitation versus the limitation being a layer to an achievement is always a better story and that is all i've got for this yeah all right um would you like to go first yes let me look this i don't imagine I don't imagine it's going to be double Zeta Gundam based off of what you said. I mean, it's accurate to say I can't wholeheartedly recommend it. But I will say that it, it is enjoyable. I have had fun with it. I had the mo- probably had the most consistent fun with it out of any of the Gundams. But then again, the other Gundams aren't actually meant to be fun, fun. Uh, but uh. you, it is something you really have to approach on its own terms. Otherwise, it's... I wouldn't really say Gundam Wing is fun. <laughs> oh man I, I feel like i should rewatch because re-listening to uh so the great the great gundam podcast is a, an excellent rewatch podcast uh and for it re-listening to the plot just go off the rails of gundam wing it's like i didn't remember the degree to that <laughs> mm-hmm. remember how the main character threatened to kill somebody else for a birthday party yeah i mean that was cool like that it was extremely extra, but oh, I le- at least it was doing something. And it sounds like yeah. I had for- I do not remember this from when I watched it when I was a kid, but it sounds like it just goes into what are you even doing? Why territory? Yeah. But what, what I'm actually going to recommend, I, I have not done much with Webtoon, but I... I have started occasionally things uh, come across my dash. Mage and Demon Queen is an entertaining little webcomic. Uh, it is using R- JRPG like trappings of, oh, uh, <laughs> the main character, the protagonist is a uh, like 20 or whatever uh, year old uh, mage who has decided to court the demon queen at the top of the tower that all the adventurers go to and like fight their way through to try to fight and kill the demon queen to end the human demon war, etc. And it is, it's just this very cute, uh, uh, Yuri series. It is very enjoy, very enjoyable. It is well, I have not understood how far web comics have come in terms of being formatted for phones and 
mm-hmm. reading things that are natively bad, where you are just... Uh, have you played around with Webtoon much? Yep. Uh, two of my comics are on Webtoon. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Very yeah. and certifiable. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> hey, recommendation. Go read those. Hey. Uh, comics. <laughs> and entertaining dialogue. Very good art. Uh, and a series that is is good at playing with jokes and also does like get into some of the deconstruction of rom-com tropes might not be might be too strong of a way to put it but uh it it does some of that and good characters who you root for uh we were talking about another series uh before the podcast of characters who are not necessarily great friends to each other uh and it's always nice to read stories where characters really are trying to connect and support each other it's always a fun read so that is uh mage and demon queen nice uh i am going to recommend death loop Ooh. um i started playing that recently and i'm really taken with it i think the premise is very fun um i think the gameplay is cool i think the concept of one day being replayed over and over again and trying to remember what happens at each different time of day at different locations to maximize certain achievements or uh, objectives is very clever um i think the best part is the uh multiplayer personally so um without spoiling anything you are in a time loop that is kind of insinuated by the the title um and if you play the single player campaign um, you are trying to break the time loop. If you play the multiplayer aspect, you play a character who tries to stop the main character from breaking the time loop. And the game puts you into other players' games to be an antagonist to them while they are trying to break the time loop. And I find that very fun. Um, one downside of that is, technically, when you j- when you get pushed into the game, the person cannot be trying to get the objective that they're working on that you would be put in on. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they have to hack this machine so that they can leave the, the stage. And they cannot be doing that while you get put into their game. It's trying to make you hunt them. Which is fine. However, um, the maps aren't insubstantial. So trying to hack hunt someone through a giant map can get tedious and i personally enjoy playing the objective because i'm like they have to get out at some point and they have to get past me to do it um but that can get a little boring as you camp because yes i'm a camper i'm gonna i'm gonna come out and say that um but it's worked it's worked for me because i am not good at pvp one-on-one in the middle of in the middle of the street gunfighting i am a siege tactician i am not a hunter so uh, it can get a little boring if you are someone like me who likes to lie and wait for your prey. Um, but it is satisfying when your traps do work and you just like annihilate them as they come in and they're like, where are you? And I just like jump in from different angles, like using superpowers or like mines that I've laid out and just completely destroy them. Um, that is fun. So I would say go out and get it if you get the chance. Uh, I know some people were like, oh, there's tech issues. And I'm like, mm, there are, but like not enough that the game that I haven't encountered one that has made it unplayable. I had one, one menu freeze up on me. Um, but that was like an overworld map. So it wasn't like I was in the middle of the game and suddenly I got screwed over by it. So, you know, 
buyer beware if that's your thing. Um, but I recommend it heartily, uh, especially if you are trying to support games with POC uh, protagonists. Um, the protagonist and the main antagonist are both POCs. And I think that that's great. Um, and we should have more games like that. And put your money where your mouth is if you want to support those games. Uh, produced by Bethesda, made by Arcane Lyon. So they're French office. Um, Arcane's French office, at least. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for us today. We're going to move. We're going to do Adam Strange. Yes. I'm back home. I have my tome. So I can read out of that. Uh, and then we're going to do the Adam. We're going to go alphabetical. So it's going to be all the A's. You're gonna do the Adam, you know, Adam Strange, the Adam, and Aquaman. What a, what a trio those three make. Um, I would read that book and just call it the A team. <laughs> Pay me money. Pay me money, DC. Where are you? I am a font of good ideas. Um, don't let anyone hear you agree with me. They will absolutely uh, get in a fight with you. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna take that up for the next episode. We're gonna take a break for Legion of Superheroes, but we will see you all next time. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. With mon out of the Phantom Zone and Mixius Pitlick 5 dealt with, we shook hands with Lightning Lass and headed back to our own time. Satisfied we were on solid ground and in the right year, we headed back to the office. But the telltale crackle of Zeta energy in the air told us we had an old client waiting for us.